Welcome to Sonic's Flight, the podcast devoted to all things Sonics. Sonic's Flight is a monthly podcast discussing current events, news, and topics of interest to the Sonics community. We aim to entertain and educate builders and pilots of Sonic's aircraft designs, inspiring them to complete and operate their aircraft safely and efficiently. Welcome to Sonic's Flight. This is episode number 23. This is our Welcome Back from Oshkosh wrap-up show. So as you guys know, John, Mike, and I all met up in Oshkosh and had a great trip. We did the first part of this episode on Tuesday night at the campsite, uh, sitting around Camp Sonics. And now we've all had a chance to reflect on the trip, and we'll cover some highlights. We tell a few more lies, and Gary is back from his trip, so we're going to hear about what he did, and generally just give him a hard time for missing Oshkosh. With that, let's right in. So, John, why don't you start us off? Wednesday, what was the what was the highlight of Wednesday for you? Oh, boy, the highlight of Wednesday was uh, having you guys try to convince me that I didn't need to buy a new EFIS for my airplane. I was very eager to go spend $3,000 to re, uh, redo my panel. And you guys talked me out of it, said you got to let it go another day. And so I did. And I did not spend that money. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because uh, you guys kind of convinced me that there's there's things in the air that are going to be uh, changing the way we do our uh, our panels in our aircraft. Yeah, I think that was the right move. Um, new is always exciting. I totally get it. But this time next year, if you can just drag your old panel out for another year, you're going to have way more options and probably cheaper to boot. So I think you made the right call. Well, I'm not so sure you're going to be cheaper from some of the uh, inklings I've been seeing on some of these other new products. If, if I'm following your drift here, they all seem like they're pretty pricey, about the same same total cost by the time you get finished. Yeah, what <clears throat> what we were noticing, though, is there is on the – we're right at the cusp. This is the first year I've seen a lot of this was tablet-based ephesus. Yeah. And so you go buy a module – from a company and it's just basically a data collector and then it presents your your avionics both your engine monitoring and your um, flight systems on one or many uh, tablets phones smart devices um, that is kind of really exciting this is the first time that we've had it as a primary instrument well, why don't we make some names? Are we talking about that new Avolution display they finally came out with? Um, you know, I don't know the name. Well, one of them was um, a thing called the uh, the Bomb from iLevel, and that is a very impressive instrument. It basically is just – it looks like a bomb. It has a little propeller on the back that makes it uh, self-charging. You don't wire it into your airplane. You just stick this thing underneath your wing. It provides airspeed. Angle Basically, of attack. Yeah, I understand it. Yeah. It's everything. It's everything yeah, that, except for engine monitoring. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it, it's a thousand dollars. And yes. so it's like, wow, that's pretty darn impressive. Um, so if you know, if you wanted a, a backup system right now, perfect. If you wanted a primary, I'd wait a year. But I think it's this is where I think the future is. And yeah, but Gary, uh, we saw Evolution that was in the Zenith demonstrator. Um, yeah. That one looked really good. And we saw two others that just kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't tracking them. And they're um, one's a, a, a smartphone 
tablet-based. Uh, they, they do an app, and you can run it on whatever will run their app. That looked really cool. And another one, they go get an Android tablet, wire it all up inside their little enclosure, and you have the whole deal, everything, for about $1,500, including engine instruments. So there's a yeah. whole bunch of really exciting things coming. Yeah, no, of course, year, next year should be really cool. Summer. Yeah, it's all really new and really immature. And I think it's going to take a year or two to shake out who's going to be the dominant ones in that market. But I think it's going to really uh, impact Dynans and Garmin's and all those companies because these guys are coming in pretty dirt cheap. And we did see the Sonics gang over there uh, talking to them. And uh, John Monat was over there, and then he kicked a couple of his guys over, and then eventually Mark Schiebel showed up and gave him a card and said, hey, uh, after the show, we need to talk. So <laughs> I think they're interested in those options also. I'm sure. anxious to see, even even by Sunfund, there could be some really cool stuff out. Again, more of it, you know. Yeah. Right. But we know that's the problem with avionics, so just as soon as you buy something, a, a new and better and cheaper obsolete. come out. So. Yeah, I think it's it's wise to wait. You know, a little while, but you know, this thing is these things are churning pretty quickly, and um, someone's going to come out as the dominant company in this, and and th- that may be where you go. Hey, speaking uh, ADS, of maturing, John, did you get a chance to play with the new Seattle Avionics um, Inside app? They, yes. they upgraded. Yeah, tell us about that. Okay, well, uh, Seattle Avionics or uh, FlyQ, uh, they announced and released a new iPhone app during the show that is, um, what do they call it? Enhanced reality or enhanced... Uh, augmented the, reality. Augmented reality. And uh, both Mike and I downloaded it, and we actually we played with it, it on our way fun. back from Oshkosh. It's pretty cool. What it does is it's free, by the way. Anybody can download it. You don't have to be a FlyQ uh, subscriber. Um, but if you have an iPhone, you download this app, it uh, when you bring it up, you basically set it. You, you open it up and you say, "Okay, allow it to use my camera." You hold the camera up in the front of your airplane. You hit that's the front of my airplane. It uses the camera to look out, and you stare at your iPhone. And as you move it around, you can see all the airports that are within you know your pr- proximity. So it looks like you took a video out the front of your airplane, except in real time, they overlay data tags like airports. As you scroll, you see them overlaid. Yes. And I'd recommend everybody, to, if you have an iPhone, download it because it's kind of fun to play with. Now, what I found with Mike and I coming back was, okay, this is this is really kind of fun, but it's not of much value unless you're really in an unknown area. And you just you don't know where that airport is, and this will tell you exactly where it is. Of course, if you do when you do click on it, it goes straight to their uh, the original FlyQ that you used to see of all the different airports and the weather and so forth. Right, so it drills do- down to the normal text <clears throat> screen. Right. So you click the airport and then you get all the the frequencies, the runways, and all that normal. But don't data. you have to be an AOPA member to do that? I'm not sure. I no, am. No. Yeah, at one time, yeah, at one time you had to be an AOPA member, but they split a, a year or two ago, and so Seattle Avionics does their app, and AOPA Go has their app. Yeah, this is I different have... than AOPA Go, right? Right. Um, but it, it was cool, and it's fun. It's a fun app. I don't really see much use for it. I'm not going to mount an iPhone adapter on my panel. 
to have it up I actually, all the time. I actually tried that. I, I put it on my little uh, mount up there, and, and it's not very. It's better when you when you just move it around by your hand. Yeah. If you can keep it steady enough. You actually don't need to. You just kind of move it around, and it kind of just scans the sky. And if you're looking for an airport you can't see, which is typically my problem, you know, I can say, okay, it's right there. And then you, you kind of lower the phone, and you look up, and you go, oh, it is right there. Yeah, but, I mean, think about how you're doing it now. Uh, you're navigating to, um, to an airport. You're looking at your, your moving map display, and you're kind of using your course line and saying, okay, it ought to be about 20 degrees off to the right. And then you kind of look out there, and you, the distance is about 15 miles, and so now I know about where to look. <laughs> We're kind of doing all that right now to figure out where to look to find the airport, and then you can visually spot it. And in the future, when these kind of things are more are more readily available and we're used to it, uh, it'll be a real simple matter just to whip it up and, and be able to say, oh, it's right over there. I can't quite see it yet, but I know exactly where it is. I can well, you're conceive gonna, you're, of where Yeah, eventually you're going to be looking like through a HUD or like through uh, glasses or something like that, and you're going to see the same I can I can look you could, that'd be cool look through the glasses and see the same tags there. Oh, absolutely. And then, or or and if then, they can push uh, <clears throat> traffic up to it, that would be kind of nice too. Oh, that'd be awesome. So all that's coming. It can't be very far off. The technology right. is already there to support it. I think we're seeing a, the the uh, the use of a lot of this technology that's already in our in our hands. Um, they're just exploiting it. Well, more power to them. I know an old guy like you that you just want to look at an old chart on your hip and he's an um, old school. Yeah. I just want, I just want a chart. I can smack you with the head next time we go fly. That's all. I, <laughs> that's the only you thing can, you can, for. you can do that with your iPhone mm-hmm. and we'll actually, you'll actually have an airplane that you can take a passenger in. Yeah. Yeah. Which will be well, Gary. Cool. Just, just download the taser app and you know, that'll take care of that. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I'm not flying with Gary for a while. <laughs> no, that's it. We're done. All right. Hey, let's talk about the uh, the, the the foundation uh, meeting and the party on Wednesday. So, Mike, why don't you run us through that? I have no idea. No. <laughs> uh, actually, well, Mike Farley did a nice job uh, with the uh, meeting itself. I think he ran it pretty well, and uh, we came up with a lot of good ideas. I know I've I've seen on the on the web already about the people. You know, we talked about putting. Uh, Everybody put their own insurance information there. I thought that was a pretty good idea. I noticed John didn't put his on there yet. So, and uh, and I don't know if you even you did, Jeff. But I uh, there's about maybe half a dozen of us that have just thrown thrown our uh, insurance companies' names out there with our and just the cost we're paying. And of course, you know, mine's a little lopsided because they have so much total time. But but yeah. uh, actually, R- Robert Barber actually was the cheapest uh, on that 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 thread. Uh, well, so anyway, that, I thought there was, you know, coming out of the meeting, I thought they're trying to push, uh, since they don't have the T flight anymore, they're trying to push some kind of, inform, you know, informational kind of a thing where we can get information to new builders and uh, get them information about how to fly the airplane and so forth. Yeah, I thought that the, a good takeaway from the, the thread, um, th- there was like, like you said, there was like six or, or, or maybe more different people put their information and they were all different. And right. uh, so there, there's definitely options out there. If anybody's having a problem finding insurance, just get that list and call those agents and see where it takes you. One of them's got to be able to find something. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I even put on there that the guy I work with is uh, 
he he really works with a lot of people, Taylor people and, and Warbird people and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. he'd be a great guy to get hold of. I'm sure he'd be able to get almost anybody insured. So yeah, I didn't put mine on there because mine looked just like somebody else's. I go through exactly Falcon insurance, yeah. Bob Mackey, and it goes to global, right. and it was like almost identical. So well, it ends up, it ends up being it ends, my policies ends up being global, but it's just you know everybody has their different the diff, whatever they put on there for hull and so forth. So. But, uh, anyhow, but that, the the um, the brokers tend to you know have a, a big broad range of costs too, so it, it would behoove everybody to call a few of them, say give oh, yeah, me the best deal. For sure. But yeah, that, to me that was the best uh, other than that, that was the best information I think that came out of that and the uh, and trying to do things with uh, the training part, which really it's kind of stack. No, nobody knows what to do with that. I don't think. And uh, it's hard to do it in this airplane, especially when some of us are a certain size. We can't do it uh, for other people. But uh, it's that was another topic that was that needs to be you know dug into a little deeper, maybe. Well, one of the things that that they that Mike really did kind of push was that Sonics right now, um, T flight training is indefinitely on hold from Sonics. And so if you want to get T-flight training, you're going to have to procure it yourself, either with a CFI that has a LODA on their plane or, uh, you know, I don't know how else you would do it um, unless you could get someone to loan you their plane with a CFI, which would be kind of challenging. And I think that's probably an area that the foundation can continue to help. They can reach out to the CFI community. There's other Sonics uh, pilots out there that are CFIs and they might be able to work with them and encourage them to, to get their LODAs and, and do even limited transition training would be a big help. And I know that's what Sonics wants to do. So I think that's an opportunity for the foundation to really help out. But, but other than that, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, it was kind of a short meeting uh, for the most part and uh, just, just a general business at hand. But I think, uh, yeah, Mike is kind of, uh, I don't know if he's soured yet, but he's he's kind of, because everything's kind of stagnant at the moment with the company and so forth. So I think everybody's kind of searching for so to get a spark, so to speak. I, I guess Sonics had a uh, full, their their uh, tours were booked full, supposedly all week. So uh, I'm hoping that, that stirs things up a little bit. So Yeah, they said they had a great year. I know one of my buddies here in Mississippi, uh, stopped by the booth and uh, and bought a, a YXB model with a with a turbo Aero V, so he's pretty excited about that. Oh, he just he just ordered the whole thing. Right? He did. He's like, spot? I'm ready. Let's do it. Yep. So he bought, bought wow, the, like the whole great. the whole package. So um, you know, Isaac will be working on his, and uh, Dave here locally will be uh, will be building his too. So we're gonna we're gonna get the uh, the Gulf Coast wing up and running here. There you go. Hey, what do you think about uh, Mike Farley's uh, proposal for the uh, for the new rank structure modeled after the commemorative Air Force? So, if anybody doesn't know, the CAF <laughs> they uh, when when you join the CAF National Organization, you are inducted into the CAF as a colonel. So, Mike Farley had the great idea that we ought to follow their lead, and the Sonics Foundation ought to appoint people as colonels in the Sonics Air Force. I think that's a good idea. That's a great idea. We'll just call each other colonels. That's it. Yeah, that's colonel. Right. Colonel. 
Colonel, Colonel. So kudos yeah. to Mike Farley for uh, for coming up with this great idea. Um, we didn't vote on it. I think he wanted to do some behind the scenes uh, consensus building and all that. But Mike, you have our support, so we are behind you 100. Well, percent You are going to get for a promotion for sure. <laughs> you are going to get one nasty call from Mr. Oh Farley. man, Colonel it's gonna Farley. Happen, it's going to happen soon. <laughs> Well, Colonel Farley, that's what they pay you the big bucks for, so we're with you. Okay, so what about the party? What did you guys think of the party over at Wayne's? I thought it was great. I mean, it seemed like it was a, a fairly good turnout. Uh, it was a little, of course, it was rainy, you know, weather-wise a little off and on. But, you know. It's always really cool to be underneath the air show, literally, and, and watching the, you know, the planes flying right overhead versus down the runway. And that was, that was always cool. Yeah, that, uh, actually, that B twenty nine or B twenty five flight that was going on. That yeah, the B twenty five flight. Yeah. That was my highlight for the entire show. They had at least a dozen, maybe more B twenty fives, and they were flying low patterns right over Wayne's house, opposing, and they were low enough. Yeah, opposing. So one flight coming in from the right at two hundred feet, and another flight coming in from the left at five hundred feet, and they were just making these these loops, and it was like a beehive of bombers going off. And you could read the nose art on every plane as they went by. It was phenomenal. It was really, really cool to, to see it overhead and not off in the distance someplace. Yeah, and it's always great to see the night show there, too. I mean, the night shows, everybody turns around right over us. and So it's pretty cool to watch. How was the mosquito population this year? Uh, very active. I still have bites. Yeah, it was very sultry there. Extremely uh, humid. So. Right. <laughs> uh, Jim Cunningham, uh, he was staying over at Wayne's. He, uh, he told me this joke a couple of times, and it's kind of corny, but I liked it. He said uh, at, at, uh, at Whitman, the, the mosquitoes are so big that he saw a line boy at Basler put 10 gallons of 100 low lead in one before he realized it wasn't an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> so kudos, Jim. I like that. I'm going to use that. You know, they weren't bad over in the camping area, but, man, Wade just seems to attract them over there. Well, he's, he's got that little forest area right there. And it's he's got more trees, yeah. Pretty thick right there where he's at. Yeah. Yeah. So big thanks out to Wayne. Um, great job again. Thanks for hosting it. Thanks for putting up with all of us uh, traipsing around and and uh, drinking your beer. So we'll be back next year. Sure. Yes, we will. <laughs> all right. So Thursday that was uh, was your guys's last full day at the show. Um, what jumps out at you for Thursday? Well, Mike and I went down. Um, I'd never been to the sea base, and so Mike and I, you you wanted to hang out the ultralights and. Um, that's not my gig. So Mike and I went to the sea base and I think this is the first year in seven years I've actually been down there. It's really kind of neat. Um, it's worth about 15 minutes of your time. It <laughs> takes a good hour to get there <laughs> and back. But, uh, I think everybody needs to go once. Yeah. It's at least very tranquil. Multiple years. It's, it's very tranquil. I mean, it, it, they were supposed to have some kind of a demo for a new airplane over there and they canceled it, I think because the waves were, you know, a little too, a little too much, but, uh, but so it was very, it was not a whole lot going on over there, but it was, it's, it's very, you know, it's totally opposite of the hustle bustle of, uh, the main part of Oshkosh. And it costs you three bucks and that's fine. Yeah. Unfortunately, they did have an accident there this year. Yeah. That was that afternoon. Uh, they, they did. They had that, what renegade, was it a renegade or a Lake Amphibian? Lake Amphibian, I believe. Lake Amphibian yeah. and, uh, someone perished on it. So. But that was out in the in the main lake. You don't really get out in the main lake when you're down there. You're in kind of a little lagoon, cove kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know that there was much, uh, there was many accidents at all this year, was there? I mean, but that was the only one I heard of. I, I've uh, never there, heard of any of them. <clears throat> Go ahead. There, there was another tailwheel that did a, uh, uh, a ground loop, no injuries, but it, it closed down uh, 30, 3 6 on uh, Friday afternoon. Oh, after we left. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you want to talk about, you know, a lot of people are interested in how we came in and how we get out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Mike, uh, well, Mike, why don't you tell the story on us coming in? Because it was kind of interesting. <laughs> And I'll tell the story of us getting out. <clears throat> well, we okay. already hit the uh, the arrival, so just give us the short version. The, the arrival version? behind the phenom. Oh yeah, there we go. The short version was uh, well, actually, the short version was uh, between Ripon and Fisk. Uh, John was in the lead. I was a little bit behind and to the right of him. I saw a high wing tail whale uh, up ahead of us, and uh, not realizing our closure rate on this guy, we're doing a, we're doing the ninety knots, and uh, all at once, John just his nose comes up and. I'm like, whoa, and so I back off, and the next thing you know, we're both, like, it's, we're both looking at each other side by side about 65, 75 miles an hour trying to keep the thing in the air, and we're right behind a champ. Uh, so that was the big thing. Well, the controller ended up, we were coming up on fist. The controller was very cool about it. He, he, he uh, calmly told the tailwheel to uh, turn right uh, immediately. There were two RV-type aircraft coming up off his left and let them pass. And uh, so he did, and so then we went back to normal, and then we were heading for Romeo 9, we switched to the other tower frequency. We are kind of lining up, and John's right behind me in short final. I mean, the tower guy's not saying a word. I go, well, I finally, I said, hey, there's two RV-type aircraft on short final for 9. And he goes, two RV-type aircraft, go around immediately. And I go, okay, going around. So, so John, well, we just uh, popped up and went right around, and, and it turned out they had a a small corporate jet, a phenom on final, but they didn't tell us about. And then uh, they cleared a slam behind that guy, and then we hit his wake turbulence at about 10 feet and uh, fought that all the way down the runway, and that was the end of that excitement. <laughs> Other than that, everything was, everything was calm. Yeah, so, Mike, um, it, it's worth noting here that if you had been flying other airplanes like a Cirrus, you would have had a very different outcome. Than flying a Sonics, right? Oh, of course, possibly. Because you I'd know, had, I'd oh had yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you hear the the nag lady going, pull, shoot now, pull, shoot now. <laughs> that Mike almost touched his wingtips to the ground, and I was right behind him, and it was like, wow, that's going to be fun. And then he hit the same stuff I went through. Yeah, and this guy was off the runway, but there was no wind, so all his all his wake and his reverse thrust or whatever he was doing was all just sitting on the runway right there for us. And I thought, I thought we would have had plenty of time. We ended up both of us using most, well, Mike did. I, I was able to land on the dot. Uh, Mike used most of the runway nine to get himself stabilized. <laughs> there's all those hours aboard when there's a few moments of sheer terror. <laughs> he doesn't get the ticker award though, does he? Uh, no, uh, he didn't take her. I don't think he bounced. I think he just kind of floated and, and wobbled around. Kinda, and yeah. Up and down. And I could flop once. I could flop it, and it was just one time done. We may have to, we have to design a new award for that then, I guess. <laughs> could flop. It's more of a pirouette than anything. Yeah, the, the Wake Turbulence <laughs> Award goes to. Goes to. That's right. This year. The Wobbler. Let's call him the Wobbler. <laughs> the Wobbler. Yeah. There we go. That was kind of what it felt like. I'll tell you what. It was 
Or it was weeble, exciting. We call him a weeble. Weeble's weeble wobble. wobble. Fall down. That's right. Well, departing, though, was this was the second year both Mike and I, we departed before 7 in the morning. And the airport really doesn't wake up until 7. And so we're taxiing out of the <clears> camping area waiting for flagmen. There are no flagmen before yeah. 7 a.m. And so we're kind of wandering behind two other airplanes, and I'm listening to the tower. Mike is in front of me, and he's talking to somebody on ground, I think. But I'm yeah, hearing I the response ground. from the tower, but I can't hear Mike. And so I'm just following him. And pretty soon we stop at the main intersection of the runways, and I'm waiting and waiting, and Mike's waiting and waiting, and suddenly I just follow him along. And we're a flight of two taking off on runway uh, two seven. Two seven, yeah. And uh, but it was it was uneventful. But one of the things they don't teach you about in the notum is before seven o'clock, you're kind of on your own. Pretty much, and they weren't even no, there was no arrival traffic till seven a.m. So, yeah. So what what you couldn't see was the uh, the tower controllers on the side of the runway. One guy said. Where'd they go? And the other guy said, where'd who go? <laughs> I also noticed last year, too, when, as you're taxiing out there towards 2-7 from the home-built campground, that little stretch of pavement there at the north end of 3-6, uh, of um, there's a little taxiway right. there. And you're really not quite sure if you've got authorization to, to cross it, but there is there is a non-movement area that they're designated during that time, but yeah, you right. come up to it and you kind of <clears throat> screech the brakes when you're looking around to see if ones can actually clear you to make sure everything's good to go. Well, that was the nice thing about my position was I was right on Mike's tail and I just followed him. Whether I had clearance well, or not, I'm going with him. Yeah. Yeah. Dumb and, and dumb. I, I mentioned that. I, well, I mentioned that to, to ground. I, I mean, actually, it said monitor ground, so I was monitor ground and, the, and then we went up there to the intersection, the parallel for 3-6, and everybody just sat there about number three and finally, the guy, uh, the first guy, finally called ground. And said, "Hey, I want to take. I want to use two seven, because they were, you know, pushing everybody down to three six. And uh, so I got up there and I go, "Hey, hey, this, you know, told him who I was." And I said, "We're a flight of two. And I go, "There's a yellow and red one right behind me." I said, "We'd like taxi two seven. He goes, "Okay, taxi two seven. He says, "You're cleared to cross three six left." So that means nobody was departing yet off three six. So. Uh, that's what we did. And then, of course, luckily, John just kept following me. And then he told me to monitor a tower, and, which is which is 18.5, which is an inbound tower frequency, which has nothing to do with – and, of course, John went to the other departure tower frequency. So he could only hear the tower, but he couldn't hear me. So we got it all squared away when we got in the air. But we had a good time at 500 feet for about seven or eight miles. That was pretty mm -hmm. awesome. Well, cool. Good trip home. Any problems? No, uh, it was actually really good weather all the way. Um, we stretched our, or we only had two uh, stops, I think. No, we had three because we had a stop in Lyman. Yeah. Uh, we had a little bit of headwinds, <clears throat> and so our, our fuel bingo was uh, evaporating. We had stopped in uh, someplace in eastern Nebraska, and uh, we just, we probably could have made it home, but it was just too risky. There was well, a bunch of weather. thunderstorms at home. Yeah. And so if so we had to divert. Yeah. Everything was fine till the last uh, 50 miles, basically. Once you cross the border, you know, that's it. The winds get you. Yep. So we, we uh, you know, put in, you know, five, six gallons in, in Lyman, um, which is 
you know, 40 miles away from my house. And then uh, I had plenty of fuel to get in. And I got in right before, about 15 minutes before the storm hit here. Um, having ADSB uh, is is critical when you're trying to thread thunderstorms. Because mine, mine mine's, mine's wonderful, man. That that that's UAvionics Echo and with the the GP twenty you know, <laughs> GP twenty twenty is awesome. Oh, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Mike and I are coming back. Mike's <laughs> calling me on the air to air, going, "I'm not seeing you on ADSB." And I said, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe I got this crappy, you know, SkyGuard system. And it's just the guy wasn't at Oshkosh this year. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that the thing is a piece of junk. Um, I finally get in and I look. I, I call the guy up or I sent him an email and I said, you know, my buddy with his his fancy Echo, I saw him all the way. <laughs> but he didn't see me. And so there's something wrong with my unit. And he goes, is your transponder on? And I looked, and I had turned it off going into Oshkosh, and I never turned it back on. (laughs) (laughs) So pilot error again. He's like, he's like, the tech support line is free if it's a legitimate uh, problem. If not, you owe me money for tech support. Yeah. You owe us $500. So that was a a palm smack, and it's like, oh, Jesus, you Uh idiot. So that's why Mike didn't see me the entire way, but I saw him. Well, I think we need another new award. I'll have to think of something. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 you're really good at that stuff, Gary. Really... <laughs> Luckily, we didn't go Thank through any controlled people. airspace. We got Tigger and that's Weeble. That's one good thing. We, John. <laughs> <laughs> we got Tigger Captain, and Weeble. We got Wrong yeah. Way John. That's right. No, no. We got something, something better than that's that. I'll something. think about it. <laughs> My trip home was pretty good, too. Um, Friday, just kind of roamed around and caught up on some of the things I've been meaning to do. And uh, got out of there as early as I could on Saturday. Same thing. Everybody was asleep. There was nobody there. The flagman finally chased me down about halfway through the the heavy parking ramp. And uh, he kind of gave me one of those dirty looks like, don't you know you're supposed to wait for a flagman? But we were rolling, so it didn't matter. Good good weather all the way. Um, I had pretty clear skies. All the way up till about, uh, I guess about Memphis, and then I hit, I hit some low clouds. Had to kind of drop down underneath them to about two thousand feet, and then as I got into the the Jackson, Mississippi area, I had uh, lots of little pop up thunderstorms that were kind of kicking off, and I had to dodge a few rain showers. About the last thirty miles, slipped right on in into the airport and put it away, and and uh, it was a pretty good trip. So no no problems there. That's cool. Sounds that's that's always great when you have an uneventful trip. That's a good thing. Yep, it was good. And Gary, you'd be so proud. I I skipped breakfast in the morning. I had a bottle of water at my first fuel stop. I had a cookie at my second fuel stop, no. and I didn't stop for sandwiches the entire way. I, I was channeling my inner hound dog. I bet you got in there three hours <laughs> early. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Opposite Mike and me, we, we pulled into Reedsburg, Wisconsin, and had an hour-long breakfast at our favorite country place across the street. Yep. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Hey, I got to tell a... a- I got to tell a quick story. Um, we uh, we linked up with the uh, the the three hosts from Uncontrolled Airspace podcast: um, Jack Hodges, Jeb Birdside, Dave Higdon. They came to the party on Wednesday over at Wayne's. Uh, we got a chance to talk to them a little bit. They they've been doing UCAP for a long time, years, like ten years, and uh, they're all really interesting guys to listen to. They all write for various aviation publications. 
So got a chance to talk to them. And uh, I was explaining about the Sonic Slight podcast. And, and I made the comment that um, when, when I was thinking about starting this up, I was just sampling different podcasts, trying to figure out what I liked and, and maybe how to build our podcast. And, uh, and that I used some of the things that I had, had seen them do uh, to kind of help build out the concept. And, uh, and Jack Hodges, he kind of looked at me and he said something along the lines of, well, well, why'd you go and do that? And so I responded thinking I was going to be kind of, you know, self-depreciating a little bit. And I, and I, I meant to say something along the lines of, well, I guess I'm just really impressionable and, uh, thinking that would be funny, but that's not what I said. Instead, what I said is, I guess I'm just easily impressed to which Dave Higdon just started laughing. And Jack shot me this look like, I can't believe you just said that. You totally just punked me out right to my face. <laughs> so, Jack, if you're listening, um, I'm really sorry. That's not what I meant to say. Um, in hindsight, it seems pretty funny. But, you know, insert foot in mouth. On. My apologies. You guys do a great job. And uh, sorry about that. <laughs> But apparently, uh, I guess they're all good sports because we still got an invite to the tie-down party on Thursday. So we did show up and say hi. All right, Gary, um, your turn. So uh, tell us uh, briefly about your trip. Well, unfortunately, like I said, I was very, very sad and bummed and depressed and almost crying having to miss Oshkosh this year. But uh, I married a wonderful woman from Ukraine, and I had to go back to actually meet her parents this year. So here we go. We're trying to, to get a flight from Denver, of course, and we're supposed to get to Chicago for our first stop. So our first stop in Chicago, oh, they got a mechanical problem in the cockpit. They can't tell us what it is. And then after about 30 minutes, they, they think they got some box fixed, but it takes a two-hour test period. No idea what that is, Mike. But anyway, so we're sitting there for two it's, and a half it's, hours. It's secret stuff. It's secret it stuff. It is, yeah. They won't take what That's because the pilot blew about a point oh four on the breathalyzer. <laughs> And so we're sitting there for about two and a half hours, and I'm already looking at my watch thinking, well, we just missed our connector in, in London because we had to go from Chicago to London, sure enough. So they said they'd make arrangements for us as we get in route, but they couldn't do it ahead of time. But sure enough, we got off at London, and there's a little girl there holding a sign for a couple of different cities, one of which was ours was Kiev. I was going to Kiev to Ukraine. So they hooked us up with a flight, but not directly to Ukraine. First, I had to go down to Vienna, then take a flight from Vienna on um, Ukraine air to get into Kiev. So now I'm still looking at my lodge, and sure enough, now we've missed our overnight birthing train tickets from Kiev down to Berdansk. <clears throat> so we get to the train station in, in Kiev, and it's it's a big place. I mean, train travel is big over there in Europe, as you can imagine. And this place is massive. And there's a bunch of ticket windows, and my wife is just standing there in the hall, in the lobby, I should say, Looking around, I says, well, why don't you go up to the to the booth there to get check about tickets? She says, no, 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 there's no tickets. Trust me, there's no tickets. And she's looking around. She says, I'm looking for a shady character. <laughs> and sure enough, she found two shady characters. And and she says, I need tickets. And they say, where? And, and, and then they give us a quote on how much it's going to be. So apparently she had to find a shady character to scalp us some tickets being in cahoots with one of the ticket agencies back ticket agents back there that they kind of always kept a little stash so that for the right amount of uh, gratuity, you could actually get a ticket when you ah, needed. Like going to the football game. Yeah. Kind of like that. 
But, you know, the funny thing is when we landed in Ukraine, as we approached the passport control, they have a sign, even before I've talked to this guy, saying Ukraine is fighting corruptions. Any concerns, call this number. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and so sure enough, I mean, that's how we got our tickets, and that got us halfway. So I got, you know, halfway overnight down to this, this another major city in Ukraine, and we got to take this bus. Now, I'm thinking Greyhound bus, right? Well, that's my ignorance. School, school bus? BW minibus. We're, we're talking about this, like, 10-passenger van that they stick 18 to 20 people in with no air conditioning, very little ventilation. Of course, there's there's a couple alcoholics on there that just reek as you walk in there. Because we know about, you know, Ukraine, Russia. I'm, I'm not really dishing everybody, but, you know, the, the, the anecdotal evidence is they drink a lot. And uh, so and we're, we're packed in this little sardine van for three hours, making stops about every hour and a half or so. And on, on these roads that I would have to say are far from being improved, uh, they are paved somewhat in between the potholes. And so we're bouncing along down there, and we finally get in. So, you know, we finally get in to, to Berdyansk, which is a nice little, you know, kind of Ukrainian resort on the northern shore of the Sea of Azov. And that's kind of like the local hideout for the summer people to go down to the beaches. But basically, it's a 30-hour, 30 36-hour nonstop trip between planes, trains, and buses wow. to get to our destination. And then, of course, we find out in in Vienna, they lost our luggage. Oh, so we didn't get our luggage for about a week after we were already there. <laughs> right before you got ready to come home. Well, no, so much. she was looking for tourists the whole time? Well, aside from me, yeah, but I didn't speak the language. I'm absolutely <laughs> clueless. You know, right. unfortunately, you really feel like a fish out of water. In most European countries, you know, whatever country it is, you got your primary language on the top of the sign. And underneath there, surprisingly, the most time it's English. Maybe she you found get, a couple of old boyfriends. That's what you get, you get like. to Ukraine, and it, there might be two languages, but their one is either Ukrainian and the second one's Russian. And, wow. and very little people speak English. And it was, you know, had I gotten there by myself, I probably would have been dazed and lost and wandering around there to this day, trying to figure a way to get back out. You'd be calling John Collect with one kidney. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Uh, what I can say, though, is exchange rates were wonderful. It's like 26 grivnas, which is their dollar, to our $1. So that wow. makes beer very, very, very cheap. There we go. <laughs> That's the important stuff. So, others, huh? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, so no the kidding. highlight of my, my time is, is walking up and down the, the promenade and amusement park there they got by the sea, you know, just sucking down beers and eating ice cream for, you know, minimal amount of money. But unfortunately, coming back wasn't much better, right? We get we had to go to from from had to take a twelve hour overnight bus trip, and and mostly a bigger bus, kind of like a Greyhound kind of thing. Uh, it spent a night there. Took a five a.m. flight out, which was delayed, and it was it was. Oh, Chicago got rerouted to Charlotte for weather. But I'm looking at my watch again, and sure enough, we're going to miss our connector flight from Charlotte even. So we get there at Charlotte just at the same time the plane's closing up. So I got to go to the ticket window, try to get new lines. And so we spent another four hours just hanging out at Charlotte, trying to get back at about one o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning back to Denver. Denver. I could have flown American my Is this an American faster. problem? Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could have flown my Sonics faster there and back. <laughs> <laughs> I think you ought to just choose Southwest from this point on. Yeah, that wasn't it. Well, we just don't go that far yet. Someday. 
<laughs> yeah, but it was pretty much a horrendous trip as far as travel. Sounds like it. Wow. Well, how long did you end up spending over there uh, having a nice time? I'm sorry, say again? How long How long did you spend over there having a good time? We were there almost three weeks. Oh, there you go. Let's see, that part yeah. was nice. Yeah. Not much to do, i got to say, uh, except drink beer and eat ice cream. They do like their ice cream over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all like ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Unfortunately, the scale shows that I like it probably a little bit better than you right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, now that we're all back and, and we're home, uh, what's next for, uh, I don't know, the rest of the summer and the fall? Where, where are we going next? Well, the next big trip, no. <laughs> the next uh, trip is uh, we're going to go up and fly the uh, eclipse in Nebraska. Ah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Me, Carl, Steve, um, and Gary, if you can get a ride in the rumble bus, ride up with Carl because he no- doesn't know how to fly at night. <laughs> um, we screwed up and didn't get reservations for Alliance Nebraska to land yeah. and uh, and take take part in it. They capped it at 200 airplanes. Thanks. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to fly up to Sydney, Nebraska, fill up with gas in the morning, and then time it so that we can fly the path of the eclipse um, during the full total eclipse. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Um, I want to see some then, video from that. Yeah, we're going to – it's going to be fun because uh, I know Carl and I have not done any night VFR in a long time. And so well, You only have to do it for about two minutes. Two and a half minutes if we're in the center of it. Um, That's right. The the shadow moves at 1,500 miles an hour. So I figure with us doing 150. You might get an extra um, two seconds. We might get an extra, you know, 15 (laughs) seconds. Um, So we're going to fly through it uh, and then run back down to someplace we can have lunch. Hmm. That sounds like Let's see, uh, John, technically, technically night is defined when the sun is below the horizon by by a certain number of degrees. And clearly, during the eclipse, the sun is not below the horizon. So you're good. Well, my medical is still current, and I won't have a passenger. So, I mean, I'm legal. I just <laughs> have never flown my like. plane at night. But technically, it's not sunset, though, is what he's saying. Yes, I understand that. <laughs> okay. so, Gary, you riding in the back of the rumble bus, um, you, you might be able to help him. Yeah. Right. We just got to keep it straight and level for two and a half minutes. Right. I'll shine the flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> I do have my glasses I got at Oshkosh for from NASA to look at the sun, at the eclipse from my cockpit of my airplane. As you have unusual attitudes. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to get your astrolabe and take that with you and get a video of you shooting a an azimuth to the sun, you know, doing celestial navigation with the sun. Trust me, the uh the video will be turned on on my iPhone mounted on the on the panel. To, to watch the uh, the eclipse come through. So we're in a unique position nice. up here that we can take advantage of it. Well, cool. All right, and when, when's Rec Law? Well, usually it's like the third weekend or so in October. I haven't seen it published yet. but Yeah, they, they always hold off to the last minute, but um, I'm planning to go. Are you guys coming? That's yeah. Like- yeah, that's the plan. Good, good. That was a good trip. I really enjoyed it. That was fun. Yeah, yeah that was. Uh, this time though, we're going to have to get out and um, and join the fray of flybys. That that was fun. Uh, it was fun to watch them, but I want to get out there and do some flying too. We can just yeah, go out fun. there and do a couple of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We 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 did it when we left. It was fun. Yeah, that's right. But 
you get a few more times in there too. I want to be like that 150 who burned up like four tanks of gas doing flybys <laughs> at, at 65 miles an hour during the night yeah, dinner. What about that? What about that guy? That had, yeah. What about the? Uh, was it uh, a just airplane or what was it? One where they had the big tires that had all the the leading edge lights on, and he flew he yeah. flew way into the dark where you couldn't even see the runway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I almost pushed the VNE coming in on my flyby. Yeah, you look pretty. Was, you look like you were supersonic. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Bad. Yeah, but you're yeah, still about did. a mile high, so it was hard for us to tell. I was down <laughs> low below hey, the tree line. He came around the second time. He came around the second time. It was better. The first time was because that uh, that damn steerman was taken off. Yeah, if I can't see the top of your wing, though, you're you're too high. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, it'll be good this time around. Uh, did you? Did you guys see anything about Crossville? Somebody said on the on the Sonics group it's moving. that they thought it was going to be at Triple Tree. Yeah, it's moving to Triple Tree this year. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. That's what. Yeah, it's too bad. So. Well, I know some of the guys that were putting that in had been doing that for years. Were just kind of getting worn out. Um, and re- the re- original guy, John Davis, you know, he's kind of getting up in age too, and it was making it more difficult. And I know a lot of people were having trouble too that time of year with, with the weather and so forth. It's, 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 it's hit across the Rocky Mountains, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, the Smoky Mountains and the Smokies aren't very big, as you know, in comparison to us. But so I think probably by moving it to the east side of the mountain range over there and to the you know more people, you, can, you might get a little bit better turnout. Yeah. So since there's facilities there for you know for dining and everything else already in place, that does save a lot of logistical hurdles. Trying to that, that sounds like a pretty nice place, though. I'd love to go. I've been trying to go. I've been trying to get people to go there for for a couple of years. So hopefully next year, at, yeah. at the latest, I'll be able to make that trip. Well, I'm going to try to go wherever it is, whether it's at Triple Tree or it's at Crossville. So I'm going to give it a shot. All right, guys. Any any parting thoughts on uh, as we wrap up our Oshkosh trips and uh, and look forward to the rest of the summer? Well, I did hear that one of the Lindy Awards was one of the new. Uh, Subsonic uh, private completers. Yeah, that's yeah, right. John the, uh, Cornell. He he did a great job. That was a beautiful airplane, and uh, it was well deserved. He, he also actually, flew, he actually flew in the, the, uh, home the home review. review. Cool. And I I just think this this is to me this is one of the best shows because the weather was great going out. There was great coming home and and uh, we did something each night. We went out each night and did something. I thought it was one of the best shows I've ever been to, and I've talked to other friends that, that are in other like Warbirds and Cessnas and so forth, and they all say the same thing. Yeah, it looked like yeah, it. Yeah, it was great. You missed a good one, Gary. Yeah, but I know. Keep rubbing it in, we'll, Weevil. We'll, we'll do it next year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, good um, Good to see you all at Oshkosh. Look forward to the next time we all get together and cause trouble. And uh, it'll be good. Uh, I think probably we've got, I don't know, five or six new topics that came out of Oshkosh. Uh, just, just a quick preview. We got John and his, uh, John Cornell and his, and his subsonics. Um, got a builder. Um, you guys remember Tom Hebe and his son, Mark. I ran into Mark and uh, he put a Rotax on his airplane. So we're going to talk about putting a Rotax on an A-model Sonics. Cool. We'll talk to him. Um, there's a whole bunch of others that are, that are coming up. Uh, Ricky has his Corvair Sonic, so we'll, we'll talk to him about his Corvair in a box and, and do that. Um, there's just a lot of really great topics coming up. Dave Weber is going to come back on and talk Dynon products and Dynon, uh, Ethos installation and it'll be good. We got a lot of good, great things to get to. 
Cool. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, uh, Gary, good to hear from you. Um, glad your trip turned out well, even though it was a little rocky. It sounds like you, you did have a good trip, and that's what counts. Yeah, got back. That's all. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, uh, have a good weekend, and uh, Gary, uh, good luck on wrapping up that that project, and uh, look forward to seeing some pictures soon. All right, guys. Take it easy. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye. Views and opinions expressed on the Sonic Select podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of any individual, company, or organization mentioned on this program. Nothing presented on this podcast should be construed to be the official position or recommendation of anyone not directly associated with Sonic's Flight. Anything that sounds like advice should be carefully considered before being implemented. Remember, you are the pilot in command. He might be the general. Maybe we just call him the general. <laughs> and then we're all colonels. Yeah. I think he's more of an admiral, isn't he? The national there you go. Admiral. civil air patrol is a general. There you go. See? Well, we want to start our sites, you know, small, small. So the the CAF has cadets. We don't have any cadets yet, but maybe we can get some cadets someday, too. Or cheerleaders. <laughs> I like the idea of cheerleaders. We, we could probably recruit an <laughs> SOS Brothers. There you go. Cheerleaders. Yep. Cheerleaders. That's right. <laughs> All right, Gary, tell us uh, briefly about your trip. You may have to sanitize it, you know, for public consumption. We want to hear everything. <laughs> well, you need that offline then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let's just uh, let's just establish right now. Did you or did you not make a stop in Prague? Prague, Uh-oh. no. Because if you no. did, we know where this one's going. No, no. Well, you know, what happens in Warbirds stays in Warbirds. That's, that's right. That's right. No, I could hear they were having some sort of party on uh, on Friday night, and it was loud. And if I wasn't so tired, I, I, I considered briefly about walking over there to go see what was going on. I figured I could invite myself in. Crap, yeah, I Warbirds. last year they had a party every night, it sounded like to me. He just looked for my my uh, girlfriend, Sabrina. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we're tight now, so, you know. She would have yeah. invited you right in. You're part of the clan now. Yeah. <laughs>